Welcome to the Quality Meat Scotland podcast. Industry updates and best practice to promote, support, develop and protect the Scottish red meat sector. Hello, I'm Mark Stephen and thank you very much for downloading this. At Christmas, most folk plump for turkey. Burns night, haggis, obviously. But what about St Andrew's night? Because it's not that far away. Well, QMS is supporting United Auctions campaign to put Scotch lamb on the menu this year, and indeed every year, by encouraging consumers to make it Scotch lamb this St Andrew's Day. So we're going to be talking a wee bit about that, but also the best way to carry long keep lambs throughout the winter. I'm joined in this podcast by George Purvis, Managing Director of United Auctions. George has been in this game a while, it's fair to say. Uh, his auctioneering career spans over 45 years, in which time he reckons he's probably sold several million sheep. John Whiteford has over Kelly Farm in the East Nuke of Fife. Now, they've got a suckler herd of about 60 blonde and limousine cross cows, but they also graze about 850 lambs, which they buy in around August, September time. George, I'm going to start with you. How did this lamb for St Andrew's Day campaign come about? It was during the rural leadership course which we took part in in 2009 as part of the course we had to come up with an idea how to promote food and drink in Scotland. Our group came up with the idea to celebrate Lamb St Andrew's Day. I recalled a couple of years earlier I was driving along the road on the radio they said the Irish know how to celebrate St Patrick's Day but we really don't know what to do with St Andrew's Day and I thought the two linked up quite well. The time of year, lamb's at its best and is usually good value at that time of year as well. And the Scots, being beef eaters, tend not to eat very much of the lamb we produce. We export a good portion of it, about 30%, and a lot of the lamb goes down south. So the feeling was that if we could make lamb synonymous with St Andrew's Day in the same way as you mentioned with Turkey for Christmas, Haggis for Burns Night, those that enjoyed it, we'd eat it throughout the year. This isn't just a banner headline. I mean, you've got events organised around this to promote the whole concept. So what events are going on? We have over 100 schools participating in this. In their home economics departments, they're going to be cooking lamb. And we're dispatching lamb all over the country from Shetland right down to the borders and most parishes in between. So they're going to sample the lamb firsthand, cook it themselves and then taste it, which is exactly what we'd like to to happen. Three quarters of these children, we reckon, will never have tasted lamb because their parents and grandparents don't cook it because they don't eat it. So unless we can intervene at school level, we've probably lost another generation. The school event, is that the cook-along or is that something separate? It's separate. The schools are cooking Scotch lamb dansk in their home economics classes. There's also all the schools in the borders, over 70 schools, have lamb on the menu for St Andrew's Day in the primary schools and in the high schools on top of that. And we've also got a cook-along with Tony Singh this evening and we are cooking lamb with a twist. Sounds reasonable. Now, to do this, you need the lamb to cook in the first place. So, John... You're obviously a producer of lamb. Start with a very, very basic question. Why do you keep sheep at Overkelly? How do they fit into your system? We are uh, all grass all year round, permanent pasture mainly. We brought the sheep in to clean up the grazing, actually, during the winter months and also for another income, obviously, to the cows. Um, and it worked. the system works quite well. And that was the basis to start were buying store lambs. 
Where do you buy your lambs from? Well, Dad, a number of years ago, uh, started going up to Laird and bought Laird lambs, North Country Cheviot lambs, and I have been going up the last sort of four or five years, and we tend to get them up there if we can. The suitor system, we go for the the smaller kind of second draw lambs, long keep lambs that we keep right through till sort of April May time. Although this year they've been very scarce and we've had to buy lambs, as George knows, through the market. Um, and a lot of them have come down from Shetland this year. So across cross lambs from Shetland. George, this idea of buying lambs in the back end of the year and marketing them in spring, what are the issues around that? I don't think there's any great issues. I think it's worked very well. There's a small gap really in the marketplace between the new season lambs arriving there's less people particularly in scotland now who are doing the early lambing job so there's a there's a gap needs filled through march april and the first three weeks in may so these small hill lambs cheviots black faces that third fourth draw lamb just fills that gap quite nicely further back maybe 30 years ago a lot of these little lambs used to go to spain portugal italy as 8 to 12 kilo lambs, but that market changed after 2008. And since then, there's these third, fourth draw, Cheviot and Blackface weathers have just filled that gap nicely. They mature at that time of year naturally off grass, and they hold their conformation because they're, they're small, deep, chunky sheep that keep their conformation. They don't get leggy and shanky, so they're like spring lambs almost, these small Cheviot lambs in April, May month and they fill the gap just quite nicely. I was just trying to remember that. It must be about 20 years ago. Um, I was up at the Laird Sales very, I mean, stupidly early in the morning. You know, set off from Aberdeenshire, more or less at midnight, you know, just in time to, to watch them bringing the lambs in, you know, because they would drive them, actually, into the market. Now, this might seem like a question from the Academy or the, the flipping obvious, but what is the role of the auctioneer there? Is it just to sell the lambs? Do you, do you see it's having a wider context? I think we have a much wider context, and a year like this absolutely highlights that. For many people, they, they'll they'll tell their auctioneer more than they'll tell their wives. If they've got issues, they look upon them as a sounding block and also somebody they can they can trust to speak to confidentially about other matters. But as far as the sales concerned, you're bringing two parties together. You're bringing a buyer and seller there together. You're appointed by the seller to represent them, and that's why you charge the commission. And that's really how auctioneering started off in the first place. Rather than everyone turning up and trying to barter their own goods, they appointed one good salesman to stand up and represent them all and negotiate the price with the buyers. Some of the sellers are fit enough to do the business themselves, but most people would rather rely on a professional auctioneer to stand up there, represent them, and build up a relationship of trust, and trust certainly the number one word in this business. John, let's go back to the farm side of things. Talk me through the basics of overwintering long keep lambs. I mean, start off with feeding. What do you do? We buy them in sort of September time, August, September time, and obviously we give them medication, we give them a wormer, and we give them Ovivac as a vaccine against pasturella and tetanus and black leg and a crovec to stop fly strike, etc. And then basically we kind of nurse them through from then right through till January month. We just 
graze them and remove them every sort of two or three weeks onto fresh pasture and usually in lots of four, four groups. Just give them a, a fresh bite of grass and then come January time, we introduce hoppers for a compound feeding cake and we start hopper feeding them from January right through to sale time. Also introduce hay hex as well because usually by the end of December there's not much grass left for them anyway. So we do start feeding them hard from sort of January onwards. I, I want to come back to feed just in a second, but we got a question in from a listener saying, do you use permanent or semi-permanent fencing to keep the lambs in? They're permanent. You're not shifting the fence lines every couple of days? No, there, there's about 12 fields in total and they average about 15 acres per field. And we just move them periodically to a fresh pasture. Do you use forage crops at all? No, we're basically only grass and then supplement them with hay in sort of January onwards, along with a compound nut. You may or may not know the answer to this question because there's another listener question. Do lambs and forage crops need supplemented with a cereal or a pellet? I would imagine they would do to, to finish them. I do know someone that gives them forage crops and uses hoppers as well, so the obvious answer would be yes, I would think. And do you supplement with any minerals? They get a mineral block from the, the day they come, yes, just basically for selenium and cobalt, etc. But then the, the, the compound nut is mineralised anyway, so they don't get a lot of minerals. They just get access to, to minerals from the day they come, just in a block for them. And a third listener question here. He says, biggest problem I have with finishing lambs in the winter is feet problems. Any tips? We do have an issue this year with feet problems. And I, I take it it's maybe down to the fact that we've bought the lambs in from a different area. But we have introduced a foot bath into our system now. So every time we bring the lambs in, which is every five or six weeks now, we'll run them through the foot bath and they will individually jag and spray any problem feet that we have. And aside from foot problems, I mean, what tend to be the main health issues? Normally bringing them down from such a distance, you do get a wee problem with stress and the haulage. You usually lose one or two early on. Apart from that, maybe a pasturella problem, which we now vaccinate against, and the odd one catching its head in the fence for some reason. Apart from that, you know, we're, we're fairly up to speed with it now. George, when the animals come into the ring, describe the animal that is likely to make the best kind of money. What condition is it in? What does it look like? So you want a lamb with good conformation. So you want it well-fleshed, over the shoulder, over the loin, and a good jigget, you know, a good shape, good shapey jigget on it as well, and good fleshy tail, which means if it's fleshy in the tail, the carcass will be well-finished throughout. But particularly with these late spring lambs, at that time of year, they really want to be plump fat to, to come out their skins at that time of year and be well-fleshed. Uh, there's nothing worse than a, than a poorly finished lamb, particularly at that time of year. And the likes of John, they're finishing them off these pellets and the first of the grass, they're just perfect for that spring market, for that top-class sort of export lamb at that time of year. Do you tend to find that a clean animal gets a better price? Well, we clip all the lambs will all be clipped through the markets from sort of three weeks ago right through to late spring. We have a clipping team in here that clips the, the bellies of the lambs out uh, ready for them going to abattoir. 
so they're clean on arrival at the abattoir and there's no issues as far as contamination is concerned. John, how do you go about keeping them clean? Because rain's not exactly unknown in the East Nuka Fife. No, that's very true. Um, in the early days where we didn't have so, mum, so many, we used to um, finish them inside, bring them in onto straw. But because we're using, we're bringing in so many lambs now, they're all hopper fed outside. We just try and keep moving them. Generally, in the Easter Fife, we don't tend to get the same rainfall. So we're quite fortunate that way. But as George says, any lamb that goes to market is, is, is clipped anyway. So we don't have a big issue with dirty lambs. And George, can you just give me an overview? How have lambs been doing in the auction ring this year? They've been very good all the way through from the very start this time. It's been a real good season. The prices have been very strong. Lambs matured early this year. It was a good early season. And farmers got stuck into them early and kept them moving all the way through. And the trade's been very stable. I think because people have had nothing much more to do with their time other than enjoy food. There wasn't many other pleasures in life. And that's not just in this country, but France, Belgium, Germany, etc. that we export lamb to. People had actually time to cook and meat is at the centerpiece of most good meals for 90 odd percent of people. So it's been a good year for the sailing. And when trade's strong, people enjoy selling through the market. And there's also a trust there, I think, that they know you're trying to do your best and they can sell any weight, any breed, any day and on their terms the week they want and with the company they want indeed rather than being forced to arrive on time at somebody else's convenience rather than the farmer's convenience. So I think markets are convenient for farmers and they're flexible, particularly for sheep. You can sell any weight, any breed, any day. Has that been your experience this year, John? Well, my experience has obviously been that the store trade was too high for purchasing, um, and that reflects maybe the fact that a lot of lambs have been pushed a wee bit quicker because of the good trade. The numbers have been down, hence the reason we didn't get so many at Laird this year. Just hopefully the trade will stay up right through till next spring. Always the way through, isn't it? And just coming back to this initiative, uh, George, make it Scotch lamb this St Andrew's Day. You know, QMS can do a certain amount, United Auctions can do a certain amount, etc. You know, if, if folk listening to this would like to get involved and assist and help and try and promote as well, how would they do that? Well, if they go along to the local butcher, buy Scotch lamb or the local supermarket, try and buy Scotch lamb and cook it for the families and try and encourage their friends to do likewise. And it's a national campaign. If we could get everyone to celebrate St Andrew's Day by eating lamb in any forum, it's also encouraging the future for the industry. Lamb's the most easily digested red meat. It's full of omega-3. There's a lot of pluses to, to eating lamb. Well, George Purvis of United Auctions and John Whiteford from Overkelly Farm in the East Nuka Fife, thank you both very much for your time. It's been nice talking to you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Great experience. Thank you very much, Mark. No bother. Nice talking to you both. You take care. If you'd like to find out more about the Make It Scotch Lamb, the St Andrew's Day campaign, you can visit the QMS website or Facebook or Twitter. Frankly, there is no place to hide. Uh, our next podcast will be a pre-Brexit market update, which, to put it mildly, promises to be interesting. Until the next time, I'm Mark Stephen. Thanks for downloading this. I hope you found it useful.
Thank you for listening to the Quality Meet Scotland podcast. For news and to listen back to previous episodes of the podcast, visit qmscotland.co.uk. For Scotch beef, Scotch lamb and specially selected pork recipe videos and inspiration, visit www.scotchkitchen.com or follow Scotch Kitchen on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.